What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Eastern Current. Uh, we've got a, a special guest for y'all tonight. We've been doing a lot of in-house uh, guests with Cameron and Michael and myself, just kind of talking about local things here, uh, but excited to uh, go up the coast a little bit um, towards the Pamlico and the Albemarle Sound um, and, and talk with with a good uh, a good friend from up there that, that's really uh, real fishy, catches a lot of uh, striper, a lot of uh, speckled trout this time of year, some redfish. Um, but we're really going to pick his brain about speckled trout fishing um, and kind of get his his take on, on what he likes up there, what kind of lures he likes, retrieves, the areas he likes to fish, um, and excited about that. Before we get into it too much, though, go check out Eastern Current Fishing on Facebook. Um, just a great place for you to network and connect with with other anglers uh, in up and down the East Coast. Uh, and then also, if you are um, a big fan of the page and you want to help support us, you can check out our Patreon account. Uh, all this stuff will be linked in the show notes on YouTube as well as on all the podcast platforms. Um, and at the end of this podcast, we're going to record a little bit of extra content for the Patreon page and, and, and kind of dive into um, how our friend Bud here likes to use his electronics to kind of dive into um, the speckled trout fishing a little bit more and, and, and pick it apart a little bit more. So um, we're going to do that as well, uh, but we're going to get started here. I'm going to stop rambling as I always do um, and bring our friend Bud on. What's going on, man? How's it going, man? How you doing? Going good. Thanks for uh, thanks for doing the podcast with me. Yeah, I haven't man, recorded with a with a guest in a while, and I'm a little all over the place already. So <laughs> my my uh, I'll get back into the rhythm of things. So I'm guessing you probably got blown out today as well. If you were planning on fishing or hunting, was it blowing up there? Yeah, I'm watching the wind blow right now. God, man, it's it looks like tomorrow's going to be the same way. I know. It's I think y'all might have a little worse than us. I was getting 20. I think about 20 is the top speed but we had gusts of 50 miles an hour down here today so that was uh yeah, i saw 42 that, that was the highest i saw that was the highest you saw so i was i wasn't going to be out there with that you know if no. it's over sustained over 25 i'm i'm not going <laughs> that's right um well cool well let's uh let's let people get to know you a little bit kind of give us your backstory where you're from how you got into fishing and, and kind of how it's brought you to where you are today as a, as a full-time guide yeah yeah so i grew up in manio on Roanoke island mm-hmm. um kind of grew up more of the trolling down the bridge for stripers kind of thing yeah my brothers were real fishy my dad was fishy um that's kind of what we grew up doing we didn't do a whole lot of trout fishing i just don't think they had the know-how to do it we were more like stripers in the winter offshore in the summer yeah you know just bring as much meat back as you could that was the mentality i grew up on um when i was about 15 16 years old we moved to columbia which is about 30 miles inland and that's when i kind of got introduced to the inner banks fishing, um, speckled trout, you know, the year round fishery. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of, kind of where it's come from. And I remember like the first trip I went down there, the first point we caught 15 speckled trout. When the next point we caught 15 stripers, the next point, 15 drum. And then I was hooked. That was it. That's <laughs> yeah. all I, I think just about any, if you don't get hooked after that, you're, you got no, there's no chance for you. Yeah, man. It was awesome. That's I'll super cool. So do you still make it out and fish the Outer bank stuff much at all, or are you mostly fo- focused on the inside of the of the sound there? Yeah, so as soon as I leave Weldon in May, um, I go fish the Croatan. Okay. Um, May and June and July. You know, try to compete with Brian down there, which is pretty tough. <laughs> but anyways, that's – and then it, as soon as I get done with that, um, August and September, I do the big drum. Sweet. Back in the, okay. Yeah. And it's – trout fishing until till sea duck season heck yeah well do you do you do most of that from your house like besides weldon yeah. can you hit everything from from home base yeah. sweet that's yeah, cool 
I'm a trailer guy. I have a trailer everywhere. Yeah, I hear you. That's uh, that's kind of the way to do it. I, I do a lot of trailering too, um, even down here. I just like having the accessibility to like, oh, you know, the river's blown out. I'm going to fish up here. Or the wind looks good that's for right. this. Or this has been a good bite. It's just nice to... I look at the guys that run out of the same ramp every single day fishing the same stuff. And part of me is a little jealous. I'm like, all right, you just got your routine. You got your plan. But I'm a little too all over the place for that. I kind of want to have the ability to roam. Yeah. Uh, my last three trips, I left from three different ramps. Did you really? Uh, yeah, and it's just the trailer thing, you know, it is tough because when you get home, you still got an hour left to work to do. Um, yeah. You know, but it has its advantages. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, let's talk a little bit about before we get into the actual fishing, uh, what kind of platform, what kind of boat you're using up there um, to fish that that kind of water? Because you can have some pretty uh, you know big water crossings you've got to make up there. Um, yeah, and, I mean, and this is me speaking. I don't know exactly how you fish, but um, and you, tell us about kind of the boat that you run and, and how that's a good choice for you. I run a 24 foot Skeeter Bay boat. Um, I wanted to go with the 24, you know, just so I could fish three to four people comfortably. Yeah. And there is some big water crossings, you know. A Pamlico Sound can get pretty nasty. Oh, yeah. Um, it's just good to have the bigger boat, you know, just the extra comfort. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll probably never switch from a bay boat to anything else. Like this summer, we were in a foot, foot and a half of water, um, sight casting for, for redfish, which I've never done before. Yeah. Um, just kind of happened like that. <clears throat> and with any other boat, I just don't see the possibility. Yeah. Unless you had a flat boat or something like that. Um, that's the curse of the flats boats. The flats boat though is, is you just, you can't handle that big water like you can on a bay boat. So you're, you're limited to like such a niche, but that's any boat. You know what I mean? Like there's no perfect boat for everything. So, um, yeah, that's cool. So you, that you don't have a, you don't run a T-top or anything on that boat. It's just wide open so you can fish. Yeah. That's the issue I'm dealing with right now too. My larger boat is I'm trying to sell it. I got a Jones brothers Cape fisherman and I love it, but so much more of my stuff is in shore now. Um, and I just hate having a top because you can really only fish two people off of it if you're throwing artificials and whatnot. So um, you enjoy there's not days, having the top. Yeah, there's days I wish I had a, a bigger boat, you know, like a deeper V. Um, yeah. There's certain days when I know the current is ripping down there in the Croatan and the fishing is going to be awesome. But with the waves going against the current, it's going to be too rough to sit there. You know, and I'll talk to my buddy. He's got a bigger boat and he's like, Man, I'm going. It's going to be epic. I'm like, I just can't go. <laughs> right, right. I can't sit in that, but oh well. Yeah, it's uh, you know, every man. I say this to a lot of people, but needs about five boats. You know, to, right. to really cover all their bases, and about five million dollars <laughs> or yeah, more. Exactly right. Um. Well, sweet. Well, well. Let's talk. Let's let's kind of dive into that trout fish. And it looks like you know, and, and I see all these posts from what. From down here, everybody kind of just calls it the Pamlico. That's kind of like all of up there is kind of what we refer to. But all that, all the all the fishing north of us um, seems like it's been pretty good this year. We've kind of had a slower start to our trout season. Uh, how have things lined up for you up there, um, maybe compared to last year? Has it been about the same, better, or worse? No, it's um at times it's been – last year was really good for it. Um, yeah. And at times we have seen like a preview of – of last year yeah um but the water temperature just just can't make its mind up you know it's it was 60 yesterday um it was like 54 a few days ago you know and it's just it's all over the place i honestly think the trout just don't know what to do um i think they're scattered in the deep water and you know it's just it's a very transitional time and i wish i'm happy this cold snap's coming 
you know, it's going to really drop the water temperatures and really get these trout stacked up. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, we've seen, you know, usually we start to get our pulses of fish through our inlets and then it's just steady on. But it's been like a pulse and they kind of disappear, then another pulse and they disappear. And, and it's the same deal. That water temperature just doesn't, hasn't. We got fish like in wintertime, like dead of winter spots. And we've got fish in like, you know, first thing of fall where they're going to lay up and, and hang out. And so it's made it kind of fun. You can hit a lot of different stuff and fish a lot of different areas, but it's also been kind of confusing to like where. I kind of have to guess and jump around every morning. Like I might have caught them really good on this bank yesterday, but there might not be a single fish there uh, today. So um, I, oh, yeah, I've kind of I heard mean, that's how it's been all over the place, though. Yeah, it really has. I mean, I've told all my clients lately. I was like, you know, we're gonna go out there and hit a few spots by nine o'clock. If we haven't done anything, we're gonna load the boat up. We're gonna go somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, you know, cause it can be. I've kind of figured out a little bit of a pattern where you can, if I go in a creek and I catch trout, if I'm mouth of the creek, middle way of the creek, back of the creek. Whichever section I catch them in, I can pretty much take that pattern to any creek that I go to. Yeah. Um, and it's more or less going to be the same, as long as it's a tributary off the same river I'm fishing in. Yeah, that's sweet. Um, and that's kind of how it works out here, for that, me anyways. That, that's cool that you say that, because that, that's something I share with clients a lot too, and, and other anglers, is I think trout more so than any other inshore species at least that we have up here in north carolina you can really pattern them like that yeah. um pattern them on baits pattern them on on areas and maybe stripers i don't fish stripers in the sound enough to to be able to say or really honestly at all uh to to be able to do that but but stripers seem pretty patternable but those trout man especially due to water temperature and moon phase that man you can really pattern them um, is there a certain depth you've been really looking for lately? Because um, I, I know up there it seems like depth is a huge factor. Um, yeah. Um, or can be a huge factor. kind of has the same mindset, you know, three to five foot. Yeah. Um, you know, four foot being that magic number. And that's where everybody wants to fish. The colder it gets, the deeper five to six foot range. Yeah. Even seven foot. Um, at that time, you're talking about as slow as you can possibly fish it. Um, but really what i'm looking for is somewhere shallow close to somewhere deep um and there's plenty of spots like that around um but you really just if you find a spot like that even if you don't catch fish there always keep it in mind there will be fish there yeah, eventually you know? definitely so definitely i think that's where we can mess up so often is like we catch fish there one day so we either go there too often when they're not there or we check a yep. spot that could be absolutely fire for the rest of the season, but we hit it on the wrong day and don't catch anything and never go back there. You know, it's exactly right. cycling spots you've caught them at and haven't caught them at is very important. That's uh, it's hard to do though too, especially on a charter. You got four hours or something. You're like, you want to go to your your confident areas, but the days that I've really done good have been a lot of times when I check something kind of off the wall that I haven't looked at in a while, and I'm like, dang, that, that was loaded. Yeah, um, that's sweet. So. I think, you know, as we fish more and more and as guides and whatnot, it becomes easy to kind of be like, oh, that's a fishy spot. That's a trout spot. Like there should be trout there. But we forget how hard that was to kind of just piece together on the fly when we started fishing. You know, that was something I was thinking about the other day. I was running up. I was in the Cape Fear River and just running up this uh, this creek. Or not a creek. It was kind of like a, a wide bend with some islands and whatnot. I don't know what you would even call it. But um I was just looking at some areas like, God, that looks really good. You know, that looks like trout would sit there and just pulled off. I never fished it before and caught a bunch of trout there. And it's like, 
getting like how can we I, I feel like what a lot of people are always wondering is like what makes a good trout spot like how can i just look at something and be like oh that looks good um is there any anything i know you said shallow near deep you know three three to four feet near deep water is there any other big key factors that you like to look for um in a good trout fishing spot up, up in your kind of area yeah and we could go on forever about that yeah. um go but, for it <laughs> i mean if i'm if i'm going in somewhere new um a lot of times i'll look at my charts um, yeah. to begin with i'll try to find the sharpest contour to to land i can find and that's normally where i start um i do like to start on the windward side of the bank i like fishing that side more than i do the calm yeah um, and really any kind of sharp ledge and all um is always a good spot to fish and of course look for bait i mean bait bait is key yeah um i don't care what kind of bait it is as long as it's active um as long as it's real nervous you know that would that's definitely a benefit yeah definitely yeah, this time of year they don't want to be they don't want to have to travel far to eat so they want that feed yeah. near them i mean trout are real lazy you know they're not going to go chase a lot of stuff down they're not going to do a lot of running around yeah. um you know you find a good point that's got a little bit of current see we don't have you know the tide around here um everything is wind driven yeah and we will get some current on the right wind um and if you're in those spots at the right time and that wind switches west or switches east and you get a little bit of current coming through there it can really get good yeah um but so they are more patternable here because of that. If you catch them in one spot one day, you can typically go back a couple of days later and do the same thing. Yeah. Um, as long as your water temperature hasn't changed a whole lot. Gotcha. Yeah, um, that, that water temp, I think, is probably the biggest piece to the puzzle as to where they oh, are and what they're absolutely. doing. Um, do you find a certain water temperature up there where it becomes harder to catch those fish? Like maybe the when it kicks off into winter temperature a little bit like what's your prime water temperature that you're looking for so getting done with drum season through november i want 65 degrees yeah like that is that's like a medium between where they're going to go and where they were just at yeah you know and it's that transition period um and there's certain places they get into real stacked up during that time um 55 and below i'm going to the creeks you know i mean mm -hmm. But 55 to 65, that's that's the hardest time for me. Yeah. Um, and you can even go to, like, the time of day um, you fish. Uh, a lot of times when the water temperature gets in the lower 50s, I'll tell people not to meet me until 10 o'clock. Yeah. And we'll fish, you know, from 10 o'clock to dark, you know. Let the sun come up, let it warm up a little bit, and it'll fire those fish up a little bit more. Definitely. You know. Definitely. And the tablets are just so slow when that water temperature drops like that. You know, they, they just get so so sluggish yeah and you know and with me and you you really got to watch you know with how experienced your anglers are you Definitely. know and they might not be able to fish that mirror lure as slow as as possible um and so it play, plays a big part of it yeah i know i get annoying this time of year with mirror lures and doa shrimp and all that kind of stuff like you got to stay on people yeah especially oh, yeah. you get carried on a conversation and you just start working a mirror lure too fast and it takes a lot of focus until it really is ingrained in your head, you know, the pauses and the twitches and, and whatnot. Yeah. But, man, it's – I wish I got to fish a Marilure more. I, I'll fish a heavy dean down here in, in the current a little bit uh, when they're biting that. It's it's good. And I do fish the New River a, a decent amount when that gets good and it gets a little bit later on in the season. Um, but I haven't even been up there once this, this year. But I do love that kind of fishing that you'll have in the, in the you know, the, the deeper creeks and the, the no current areas. 
I think just because I'm so addicted to a Marilure bite that that the way they crush a Marilure. Um, well, it's so but, you know, it's like it's like oh yeah, there's, there's nothing else like it. No, and, there's nothing like it. And it's like yesterday, um, you know, the guy he would start talking, and when he would start talking, he'd start working it too fast. Yeah. You know, I, I finally had to look at him and be like, dude, you got to stop talking. You're working your bait too fast. <laughs> and uh, he stopped talking and started catching them, but it was it was just. When we got there, they were pretty fired up, but it got to the point where you would have to pop it, pop it, and on the second pop, instead of reeling, you'd have to just pull it just a little bit. And I'm talking like two foot, and they'd hit it every time. Really? You wouldn't do it any other way. That's what's cool about those hard baits and trout, man. There's like little tiny things that you can play around with and um, and find. And there's always, you know, it's fun to fish with two or three people. Yeah, uh, in in that scenario, because somebody's going to catch them better, and then you're watching the other guy like, how's he? What's different about his retrieve? And these everybody starts doing the you know like you're saying the slow drag, starts catching fish. But that's cool. Well, before we get into, I want to go into baits and kind of what you like to fish. But um, I, I think this kind of relates a little bit more to what we we're just talking about. Is there like a perfect storm of conditions and everything that you look for up there, um, where you're like, we've got to be trout fishing today, like in the winter. Yeah, like from now to the winter. Like, what what makes you get really fired up about trout fishing, as far as conditions and weather goes? Um, water temperature to be fifty or a little bit lower, and then all of a sudden we just get a front to come through, and it's just really warm. Yeah, for a couple of days, um, it'll really turn the fish on. Heck yeah. Um, also, if it's blowing west northwest, you know, real hard for a while. Um, and it's pushed all, pulled all our water out. As soon as it turns back to go the other way, that's a great time to go. Sweet. Um, I like it. It's, I honestly believe the, the bait comes out with the water. Um, a lot of times those fish you know, come out with them. And I think I haven't figured out how to fish open deep water for these trout yet. I think it's a game changer. If you could figure it out, my hat would be off to you. I cannot figure it out. Um, but I know they get out there in the deep water, you know, when that water comes out. Um, but, but, yeah, as soon as that water switches, and even when it switches to come out, that's a great time to do it as well. Heck, yeah. It's it's cool to kind of see all the little little differences and nuances that, that people – and I, I, I forget about that scenario that you just talked about where it's cold and then you get those warm days and yeah. you go fish. Man, that, I love that stuff. A lot of times that's in fun. February and March, it's – and a lot of big fish are caught during that time. You know, you get those yeah. scenarios. Oh, yeah. A lot of people catch big fish. Uh, on those warming warming days in the dead of winter, um, that's super cool. Well, let's let's jump into uh, kind of some of the lures and baits that you like to fish. Is there um, anything specific you got any go tos and and kind of take me through you know hard baits, soft baits, top waters, whatever you like to fish? Yeah, so I'm definitely a, a Z man man. I love. I can Z-Man. tell. I think um, maybe the hat gave it away. <laughs> um, and I I like to throw the bigger Z man, the four or five inch. Yeah. Um, and I've even thrown some six inch for him. Uh, I think we mess up sometimes being scared to throw that bigger bait yeah. for a trout. Um, I've seen it be extremely effective before, you know, and especially when you fish a hole for 30 minutes and you're catching dink after dink after dink and you throw a five inch out there and you catch a 20 inch. You know, he, yeah. he was there the whole time. Um, uh, any kind of paddle tails, E man, um, I don't really see the trend of darker colors if the water's darker um i haven't noticed that myself i've kind of got my seven or eight colors that i go to um kind of depending on the water temperature yeah 
um, that also plays a big big part in what color I use. The water temperature does? Yeah, the so water temperature. Yeah, go into that a little bit. If the water temperature drops really quick, like this coming up quick, you know, it's going to probably drop 10 to 15 degrees um, within now and the next week and a half. Um, and so, you know, those fish metabolism is going to be so small that I'll get out, you know, that, that is it 3DS minnow? Yeah, the 3DS. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. I'll get out that and throw, you know, just, just something real, real small, something they're not scared of, you know, something they'll go on. Um, but as far as the soft plastics, I'll throw the three inch. The white is kind of my fish finder. The pearl. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, that Creole croaker, that's a great, great one. God, it's that's the to... one Z-Man everyone talks about they love, and it just, we do not have a good relationship. <laughs> um, there's a few few colors, like in the summertime, you know, the Golden Boy works real well for me. Yeah. Uh, but it just, in the wintertime, it doesn't. Um, those are probably my main colors. Yeah. You I'm know, I... always throwing chartreuse. Chartreuse. Um, Stripers love chartreuse. Yeah, for sure. The white man, it's it, it seems intimidating sometimes to, to put on when it's colder when I'm trout fishing. But uh, one thing I've heard and I've started to really pick up on is that that white does a really good job of kind of resembling what a, a bait fish would actually look like in whatever water color it's in. Unless you get really clear, like super crystal clear water, you know, then it stands out a lot. But a white and dirty water, it's really not as bright as you think it is underwater. But um, it's cool. I've got my colors that I go to as well, but it seems like this time of year right now I'm throwing a lot of white as well. Um, if you're fishing a paddle tail, um, how do you like to retrieve it for trout? What do you what do you rig it on? What kind of jig head do you rig it on? And how do you like um, to retrieve that bait? Well, when the water temperature starts dropping up, I usually put it under a popping cork uh-huh. just because, you know, they're, they're so sluggish. And with that cork, you can keep it in that strike zone, you know, oh, yeah. forever. Um, now, and we just do kind of a different cadence to the pop. We'll pop it, leave it for 15 seconds. Just let it sit there. Yeah. Um, and we tend to have more luck doing that, you know, with the soft plastics. But other than that, we're usually just slow rolling. Yeah. The colder it gets, they really don't respond to the jigging as much. The yeah. more just a slow roll on the bottom, just as slow as you can go. Yeah. I think that's where the Z-Man outshines everything is, you know, on a jig head with that buoyancy, it, it sits parallel to the bottom. So, like, if you, on a popping cork, you throw a, a non-floating soft plastic, um, and it just hangs, you know, tail down. Yeah. Um, but with the with the Z-Man, it, if you let it sit for 15 seconds under the cork, it's sitting there parallel just like a bait fish would suspending in the, in the water column. Uh, which is huge. And that, that's one thing I try to share with people a lot. I'm like, if you're going to fish, you know, a, a bait under a cork, fish a Z-Man because of how it sits. There's some other floating baits, but I'm with you. I'm a Z-Man guy. I love Z-Man. Can't, uh... There was a there was a day a couple weeks ago um, where I've got two guys fishing on the front, and I'm just standing behind the console fishing, and I, I grabbed a cork and put a five-inch, um, that was a four-inch pearl on there. And I kind of threw it out the back, and I popped it one time, put it in the rod holder, and... Uh, <laughs> told a few buddies about this story. I put it in the rod holder, and I looked back. I cast it out there, and I was fishing a mirror lure. I reeled it in. I looked back there. Cork was gone. Went up there and grabbed the rod and kind of just twitched it a little bit. Cork came right back up. I was like, all right. Put it back in the rod holder. Went back through the mirror lure again. Looked back there. Cork was gone again. I reeled it up. Went back there and checked it. The 22-inch trout on it. That happened three times in the same day. Really? On the cork. Golly, that's awesome. 
That there, I mean, the wind can, was just blowing it just a little bit, you know, and the cork was just riding on top of that bait, you know, was just barely paddling. Yeah. Through the water. God, that's awesome. That's huge, man. And, and it's always stuff like that you figure out by accident. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Um, it, it's trout more than any other fish that I've found. Kind of will slowly lurk behind a lure or kind of track. You see it with topwater a lot, where you you get it to the boat and you'll see them, you know, a foot and a half away, just kind of sitting underneath it. And I think yeah. they do that with the paddle tails a lot too. I bet you're getting if you're in the fish, even if you're not getting bit, you got. I guarantee you're getting followed almost every cast or, or looked at and and whatnot. Those fish are super curious. Um, so just giving yeah, them that, that exact right or the amount of time. I think that's why people catch them trolling so much because they'll get behind a lure and follow it and follow it and follow it and then finally like, oh crap, I'll eat it. You know. I can't tell you the amount of times that you know I tell people to reel up. I crank the motor up. Since I crank the motor up, you know, somebody catches one. Yeah. You know, and I cut the motor back off. We'll fish there another 20 minutes. Nothing. Crank the motor up. You know, and they'll get a hit or something. Yeah. I'm like, this is crazy. It, yeah, that's, that's almost frustrating there. Um, well, cool. Outside of Z-Man's, outside of soft plastics, well, is there is there a hook or a jig head that you like to fish those on? Do you fish them on the Z-Man hooks? Not really. Um, yeah. Well, I do fish the Z-Man hooks. Okay. This year was kind of hard to get them. Um, yeah. You know, it's hard to get kinda, everything. Kind of sold out pretty quick. Um, and we got a guy locally that makes some jig heads for us. Sweet. He's okay. on one of those. Thank you. Uh, well, cool. Just well, an eagle claw hook is all it is. Eagle claw hook. Sweet. Uh, is there uh, some other hard baits that you like to fish? I'm a big mirror lure fan. Cool. Um, I love the MR27s. Um, I do fish a lot of the 17s as well. Yeah. Uh, I fish a lot of those minnows, a lot of the smaller Yozuri jerk baits mm-hmm. um, as well. The, uh, the 27... Is probably my go-to. Okay. Um, I can throw it a mile, and uh, it sinks a little bit quicker. And it's not always the most popular for catching the fish, but I can work an area real quick with it, and I'll get a bunch of bumps on it. Um, you know, then I obviously know there's fish there. Yeah. And they may be smaller. That's why they're you know just bumping it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but MR17s, you know, the classic ones are actually my favorite. The 808s. Um, Stuff like that. God, there's too many freaking colors now. Yeah, it's intimidating. Um, the one thing I have found that I'm not <clears throat> a big fan of is the um, is the feathers they're putting on the back hook. I've actually seen where it's it just doesn't work the same. Yeah. Um, it have the same kind of action to it. And I actually bought a bunch with that. You know, they look cool to me, so I was like, you know, they're gonna work great. I actually took them all off. Um, I've seen a lot <laughs> more success out of it. That's awesome. <laughs> It's um, funny, man. It's like, and I feel the same way that I've changed hooks up in my mirror lures before. And, you know, some people get super technical about it where they, they'll buy a 17 of the same color and they'll put three different sets of hooks on the 17s and get different secret sink rates out of each one of those. Yeah. Uh, I don't have the time for that. I wish I did. But, but, but I mean, if I was fishing 17s more like you were, like up in that type of fishery, I think I maybe would get into that more. But, um, but I mean, it's I mean, the biggest, guys get serious the about it. Trout I've ever caught, you know, had a skirt on the back. So did it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know. That's just personal preference. Yeah, it is personal preference for sure. It's a lot, they, it's a lot different when, um, you know, like if if, if me and you were going to go fishing versus taking people fishing. Um, right. You know, I'm really not as focused on catching the biggest fish possible. I'm just focused on catching a bunch of fish. Right. Um, right. Exactly. You're making it a good time. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was having that conversation with my buddy Ben Chesney uh, the other day. Is like, 
Yeah, he doesn't guide, but he's he's over. He's like, I don't care about going and catching a bunch of trout. He's like, I just want to fish for you know one or two big bites, and that's that's what I'm going to do. And that's what I would do too. You know, a lot of times with my clients, we're all fishing together and we're trying to get them their you know their limited trout so they can take them home and have a little fish fry with their friends. But um, it I, I have definitely kind of burned out on crushing the trout, going and catching 60, 70 trout. Like, I mean, I love doing that. Don't get me wrong. That sounds so jaded, but I would much rather catch one 27 or 28 inch trout in a day than 30, 18 to 20 inch fish. So, um, I've never caught a 28, 27 is my biggest, but this, this will be the year. I'm going to get 28 this year. What's your, what's your, uh, your biggest fish you caught? Biggest 28, 28, sweet. 28. Um, you know, probably five, six years ago now. Okay. Um, I caught him, caught him by myself on a hot olive MR17, and when I caught him, he completely swallowed it and completely went limp. And it was just like dead weight. I mean, he, he bit it, about jerked the rod out of my hand, and then it just completely went dead. And I reeled him up, and like I thought it was a new world record trout. And <laughs> I was so dragged up about it. Um, I've caught a couple 26s and caught some 25s this year. Um, when me and my buddies go, you know, we mostly fish top water. Yeah. Um, you know, looking for that big one, but uh, but yeah, that's cool. Um, Let's get off. Yeah, man, we had a good one. We pulled off a really good one on charter the other day. I don't want to know how big it was. I think it was probably the biggest trout I've ever had a client hook. Um, I thought it was a redfish at first, with pulling drag off in the current. Now I, I just it was me and him fishing, and I just kept fishing. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's a redfish. And uh, and I, I, next thing I know, I hear <laughs> back behind the boat, like, and I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's a trout. <laughs> and uh came in and head shook again about 15 feet from the boat and then went down and we actually he pulled it off you know while it was down underwater which is rare more rare than on the yeah, head shake absolutely. but um that was frustrating this summer this summer you know i was down there towards the coast and um i had this group and and the actual the two guys had, had never fished much but the the wife was a really good fisherman you yeah. know which is an odd, odd yeah scenario. that's usually not how and, it goes uh, and so we're out there fishing. It's almost the end. Of, I told Brian Dr. this story, and it was almost the end of the trip. And then, you know, all of a sudden she hooks one, and she immediately says, "Drum." Well, he comes up, and she fought him for I don't know, I'd say a minute and a half, two minutes. You know, and a big trout to me, I can tell when they're big is because they'll leave and they always go back to where you hooked them at. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then they start, you know, kind of come to the boat. And they just kind of just start bulldogging you down. And um, he came up, and I got a look at him, and I, I swear to this day, he was thirty inches. Yeah, he, he was absolutely massive, and she popped him off right at the bait. Oh, he came gosh, up, man. he came up one time and threw his head through that lure right. It actually hooked me right on the shirt when he threw it out. Um, That's so tough, man. Those more so than anything. I, I had this conversation with my wife the other day. I want to catch big speckled trout. I'm like. I could care less about going to the Keys and tarpon fishing anymore, or going to Louisiana for big redfish. I'm like, I want to. If I'm going to go on a trip and spend money to go fishing somewhere else, it is going to be for speckled trout. Until I catch a 30-inch fish, then maybe it'll change. But I want to – I mean, I'll pay all the all the guides in the world to go get myself a 30-inch fish. I want to catch one myself here in North Carolina. But, um, man, I just want – I want to see one of those fish. I want to hold one of those 30-inch fish. Uh, I do it's, too. It's, they're cool-looking critters. I saw uh, – I just posted on Eastern Current Instagram this – I think it was this morning or maybe yesterday morning. A nice 30-incher from up in your neck of the woods. Um, 
Yeah, I think yeah. it was. I think it was one called uh, yesterday. Yeah, I think it was yesterday. I think it was yesterday. Thirty-one so. or something like that. Yeah. It was a stud, just thick all the way through to the tail. Um, yeah, it was on a seventeen. You know, uh, it, it's like a lot of times we upsize our baits and do all these different things, and then they, you'll, the seventeen is called a lot of big trout. A lot um, of big trout. It's cool to talk with some of the guys in Texas too. They get pretty crazy on different baits and jointed jerk baits and all kinds of different stuff. But I forgot to ask you though too: is is there any specific colors? Like, do you have a go to color too for your mirror lure? Um, the eight hundred eight. Eight hundred eight. Oh yeah, you did say that. Uh, you said you like the basic colors or the the original yeah. colors. Um, any of the original colors with the shattered glass. Yeah, you know, is always a go to. Um, trying to think. You know, Mardi Gras is a great one. Yeah, Mardi Gras is good. Do you ever fish? I think my favorite is probably the rainbow trout color down here. Do you ever fish that rainbow trout? It's like green yeah. with a little bit of pink. I used to fish it a lot. Yeah, um, I like that one. Yeah, in fact, I, I, I haven't fished that in a while. I probably need to break it out. That's a good one. That's a good one. Do you do you uh, find yourself fishing any other hard baits other than the mirror lures, or you kind of stick with the mirror lures? I kind of stick with the mirror lures. Um, the X wraps are good. Yeah, I use some of those. I change the hooks out on those, um, but. Kind of just the mirror lures. Yeah. I stick to them a lot. Well, uh, one more kind of thing, which is my favorite way to target trout as well, which is topwater. But take me through kind of your topwater selection, why you like the topwaters that you throw, um, you know, the hook, hook or the, if you change the hooks out, what colors you like, all that stuff. I, I typically use the Skitterwalks okay. um, and the Spook Juniors. I don't change the hooks out on any of them. Um, and I really enjoy the topwater. I honestly feel like, it's a great just fish finder. I yeah. mean, I can hit a huge area, and if I get one swirl on that top water, I'll come back to it. Yeah, you know, definitely. Obviously, a bunch of fish there. Um, the, it's hard to do the top water for me because, you know, I can't always get my clients to get to the ramp that early, um, as early as I'd like them to. Mm-hmm. But um, the purple is probably one of my favorite trout colors to use. Yeah, um, I'm a big fan of anything purple. Well, the skitter walks are probably that's going to be my go-to. Yeah, skitter walks a good one. It's uh, it, it was my for everything. The only top one I threw for a long time, and now I'm big on the spooks. I like the juniors and the one knocker or the the head and lures. So the one knocker, the spook junior, full size spook. Man, it's crazy. I'll I'll throw the full size spook a lot, like the three hook. Take take the middle hook out and just fish to upsize them just a little bit. And you'll you'll catch seven inch trout on that thing. You'll have seven inch trout come up and smack the the mess out of one of those lures, and so it just shows you like it can be intimidating to throw a bigger lure, whether it's a bigger swim bait or. And same thing we were talking about the the paddle tails. I got a buddy that was fishing the big seven inch diesel minnow. I mean, it's a pretty massive lure, and he was catching limits of fourteen inch trout. I mean, he was you know going out and catching five or six fourteen inch trout a night on a seven inch swim bait. That's what so, I'm talking about. Just don't be scared to throw it. Yeah. I mean, Even when it's cold, man. Like, I don't think when it's dead, dead cold, you need to be throwing that much stuff. But, like, on yeah. those warming days where it warms up for three or four days in the middle of the winter, That's you know, right. a big trout's going to look for one big meal. He's like, I got to get some calories before I lay here for another month before I head back out to the ocean. So, um, don't be afraid to throw those bigger baits. Yeah. And another thing with, you know, with the wintertime fishing, with just the hard bait fishing in general, um, you really got to watch your wind. I mean, you just – if there's any kind of bow in your line at all, um, you know, that bait's just going to have a different presentation. Yeah. It's not going to be the same. You know, it's going to float up higher in the water column. Um, 
And that's you know that's kind of one of the major things I look at. It really determines where I'm going to fish. You, they got to have the wind at their back or pretty much no wind at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's uh that's huge. Are, are there any specific rods that you like for trout fishing or for the lures that you're throwing? Do you get pretty technical with that or? Yeah, um, I typically use the seven twos. Yeah. Um, a seven two medium fast. Um, I usually don't go any lighter. I throw a lot of those. A lot of the twenty sevens, you kind of want something a little bit heavier. Yeah, you need some um, backbone. Yeah, you need some backbone on it. Sweet. And I mean, it's a great topwater route as well. Oh yeah, I love a seven two man. I, I was talking with my buddy the other day. It's like one of those slightly different, different lengths a seven two. Yeah. But it's perfect, man. Like a seven six sometimes feels like a little too long. Seven foot feels a little too short. Um, I, I have I just got some seven two um, rods not too long ago and been fishing the past little bit. I, I do I fish a DOA shrimp a lot. Yeah. Um, in the good. current, it works really really well. And that seven two medium I, I have two medium lights and two medium fast, but the medium light seven two for the DOA shrimp is like perfect. And you can almost kind of mend your line like you're fly fishing in a river with that, that little bit of extra length. It's a, it's a good length. So, um, is there a, a brand rod you fish in particular? Uh, not really. I'm still up in the air on it. I have a bunch of the St. Croix. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of got started with the Blair Wiggins rods, you know, like yeah. the old lubes, uh-huh. Blair Wiggins rods, the seven twos. Those are probably my favorite. They're just hard to find anymore. Yeah, for sure. Um, the Fenwicks, I like them a lot. Yeah, that's what I fish mostly is Fenwick. Fenwicks. Fenwicks, yeah, I like them a lot. Those seven twos I got were world classes, which are too expensive, oh, yeah. but they're they're they fish really really well. Um, break them out with the right guys, man. I've had a year of broken rods. I'm at 24 broken rods since last January. Uh, I broke two yesterday. Two in a day. That's brutal. Yeah. <laughs> um, and. Now we were sitting there, and, and it was totally my fault. We were sitting there fishing, and uh, the guy hooked the fish, and as soon as he hooked the fish, it like made this other fish react that was like 60 yards away. And I'm standing on the back of the boat, and I, I see this big splash. I just grabbed the rod and turned around and threw it. When I did, it hooked two rods up on the top and just snapped them. Oh, right gosh. Like, oh, my gosh. The kiss of death in my skiff yeah. is those undergunnel rod holders. And you're sitting there behind the console. I'm on one side, another cli- a client or somebody's on the other side. And you step up to go walk to the front of the boat. And the reels, the handles are sticking out just a little bit. And they'll kick them. And it just breaks them in the rod tubes. And it's not a very fun way to break a rod. It's like one thing if you're fighting a big fish and he breaks you on the gunnel or something like that. You know, you kind of get stoked about it. But <laughs> when you just kick a bunch of rods and rod holders and break them, it's a little frustrating. 24 in a year, that's, that's impressive. That's it's, a lot. It, it's been a, quite a few, man. I've, there, I'm not going to name the type of rod, but there's one rod that I've had a lot of failures in. Um, I don't want to make anybody feel bad, but <laughs> it, there's one rod that, that I've had a lot of rods break for no apparent reason. Um, but, you know, that's how it goes. That's how it goes. Um, it's not supposed to be a St. Croix plug, but St. Croix oh, makes a medium light. Um fast uh-huh. which is kind of a harder rod to find and it's a it's a seven two as well yeah um, it's probably i got two rods i keep on the boat that just i use i don't want anybody else to use yeah. and uh, and that's it that's it sweet it's a medium light fast seven two medium light fast, that's yeah. awesome that, that sounds like a perfect rod um that that fast is a little more backbone like that's the medium light seven twos that i was talking about the world classes 
they are great rods, but you try to throw a little bit bigger top water on them, and they just kind of collapse in the cast. You just can't get the distance out of it. They're a little too soft, but... Um, but yeah, well, that's cool. Uh, some people really get into the, the rods and the pairing them with different baits, and and I, I think it's very important. And, and, but a lot of the podcast listeners always ask for like, oh, what kind of rods are you using with the this lure or this? You know, and it, I, it's important. It can be very important. Some stuff that we kind of will easily overlook, you know, as people yeah, that fish absolutely. every day. But but people that don't get to, they want to make sure they're set up right. Um, do you find yourself fishing like? Do, do you find it? This is one thing that I found. And I want to see if it's the same for you. I'm struggling with my words tonight. I guess I'm tired. Um, but with a softer tip, with those treble hooks on the mirror lures and topwaters, do you find that you lose less fish on like a medium light or medium light fast than if you were fishing a little bit heavier rod? Absolutely, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've got some mediums. Um, I've even got a couple of medium heavies that I always leave in the boat. You know, just with a bigger popper cooler on. Yeah. Um, you know, in case we run across a big drum or something like that. Yeah. And um, we'll also use them. You know, for for trout or redfish. Um, if I got to, yeah, and we have hooked a few trout on those rods, and they'll come up immediately and throw the hook, yeah, or we'll them off or something. It's just the tip's not soft enough. Yeah, definitely. So that's a major issue. And I wasn't as used to that up until about three or four years ago. I just didn't have the knowledge yeah. of that, um, you know. But it makes a big deal. Definitely, it really does, especially with trebles. Trebles, you've got to have that that flex and that give. Um, but but yeah that that's that's one thing with the DOA shrimp that I fish a bunch is that finding that then that world class has been a good rod for it. it's got a bunch of backbone but it's a really soft tip you know with a single hook to be able to drive a single hook into the fish's face you know a trout's got a really soft mouth but oh yeah you get a little light bite and the client kind of barely sets like oh I think that was a fish and barely set into it you know they'll throw those hooks a lot of times especially you know single hooks but, um, but yeah so well cool well, is there anything else trout fishing wise up there that, that you feel like maybe we haven't touched on or that you want to share um i mean one, one of the major things is casting distance yeah uh, you know we get so much boat pressure up here on trout you know you really they're really boat skittish so casting distance would be a major one okay sweet um leader line length i like to keep at least a foot foot and a half um but other than that, no, that's pretty much it. What do you do? You like to run fluorocarbon? Yeah. For your leader, what, yes, what I pound? Run, I run ten pound braid and fifteen pound fluorocarbon. Sweet, awesome. Yeah. I think a I need bit heavier on the fluorocarbon, but yeah, anyways. I fish fifteen pound. I, I got fifteen pound braid and fifteen pound fluorocarbon. Uh, but I, 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 a lot of my buddies that I'll fish with, uh, they'll run you know eight and ten pound braid. And when I do trout fish with a, a nice little light setup with eight to fifteen pound braid or eight to twelve pound braid, ten pound braid, um, it fishes so much better, man. It, it's crazy those little oh. light baits. How much more you can feel them, and how much more you can, you know, get little movements out of the bait with lighter, you know, line going to it, which makes sense when you when you really think about it. But um, yeah, when you've never fished, you know, I've actually uh, noticed. Oh, sorry. What were you saying? I've actually, I've actually noticed where. We get less wind knots. Yeah. When we went from 15 to 10 pounds. Yeah. Um, you know, so well, that was kind of my mentality. You know, and then I realized you can get another two or three yards in your cast as well. Um, plus, you know, another, what, 60 yards of line on your reel. So yeah. I went to 10 pounds. It was a good move. Yeah. I just, just switched over a few months ago. Heck yeah. So I was at 15. Now, or do you, are you grabbing different rods for striper and redfish, or are you still fishing the 10-pound braid for stripers and redfish as well like puppy drum slot drum yeah i'm still fishing the 10 pounds still fishing the 10 pounds sweet awesome yeah awesome awesome well 
like we were talking about in the beginning of the podcast, you guys, we're going to end it here. Uh, but if you do want to kind of dive in a little bit deeper, we're going to talk for just a few minutes about uh, electronics and how Bud uses his electronics to kind of locate bait and, and locate more fish and how that's been effective for him. Uh, but that will be on our Patreon account, Eastern Current Fishing. So if you are a Patreon member, go over there and check it out. But um, yeah, that that's it for the 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 mainstream podcast there guys thanks for listening and we're going to jump on over to uh the rest of this recording